watches the ships that go sailing. All right. Hello. Rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. July 1st. Rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. Uh, how is everyone? We are live in the Skyline studio here uh, until 4 o'clock. Coming up, we have another round of Know Your Onion. That's where we get two contestants on the line. They each play around. Tom will read a news headline, and you have to figure out whether it's real or from the satirical newspaper, The Onion. Um, and we're going to talk about the, the fact that you can kiss the Blarney Stone again now. Christopher Reeve's Superman cape is now at auction. Um, and also annoying things that tourists do in other countries. And tourists that come to Chicago, what bugs you about them? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the phone number. It's the Team Hawkberg phone line. So uh, as we enter phase four, as we've entered phase four, bars and restaurants are opening. Um, you know they can't go to full capacity, and there are rules and social social distancing and mask wearing and all that stuff. So it's a different time, but things are starting to open up. One of the most legendary bars in this city. Um, is in the Uptown neighborhood, and it's, of course, the Green Mill, which hosts incredible uh, jazz, live music, uh, and it's got an, an incredible history. Dave Gemelo is the owner of the Green Mill, and we wanted to talk to, to, to Dave about the, the, the mill in general and the history of it and what it's like to, to slowly open again. Uh, Dave, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, Nick. How are you? Good. You know, I've been to your bar a couple times. Yeah, I heard that. I told Nicole I was going to do this thing, and she says, well, is that Nick? Uh, he has, like, a, a long last name or three syllables or something. I go, yeah. She goes, oh, he comes in here. Yeah. I mean, I'm a I, nice guy. I stopped, I stopped, I stopped drinking uh, uh, a while ago, Dave, so I haven't been in the bar in a long yeah. time, but there was a period of time when I was kind of there after 2 a.m. every night. <laughs> oh, my man, thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. Appreciate it. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the Green Mill. I mean, it's a historic bar. Um, and we, we, uh, how far back does it date? 1907. 1907. And it wasn't called yeah. the Green Mill at that time, correct? No, it was called Pop Morris's Roadhouse, and then 1910 it was changed to the Green Mill. Okay. Pop Morse's Roadhouse. Do we know who Pop Morse is? He was an old guy. Yeah? Yeah. I, I don't know much about him. I know that he owned the joint and that uh, a lot of people would stop there on the way to see the dead relatives in the cemetery behind the Green Mill. Oh. It was like a, like a spot to stop, you know? Oh, I see. So they would go there and then check out the check, go to the cemetery right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, have a little something to drink and then go see the dead relatives. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Boy, it's, there's so much history in uh, in the in, in the Green Mill uh, and the association with uh, what's what's the story now? Let's clear some of this up. What's the what's the association with Al Capone? Okay, so Al Capone didn't own the Green Mill, which a lot of people think it was Machine Gun Jack McGurn owned the Green Mill, or actually more correct would be. He had a management contract with the uh, from the Shamalis brothers, who were the original owners of the Green Mill. Mm. Kind of so during Prohibition, Machine Gun Jack McGurn took over the joint. Well, he's the guy that supposedly did the St. Valentine's Day Massacre for Al Capone. Mm. So there's a little connection there. But uh, entertainer Joe E. Lewis was a singer, and that was Al Capone's favorite entertainer. So he would come to see Joe E. Lewis at the Green Mill. 
And did, did he and have? Then, was there yeah. a? Was there? Was there Al Capone's? The, Al Capone had a special seat, right in the in in the place, so that he could see the yeah, front the door, booth, the front door, uh, and the back door. Yeah, the front door and the side door. He yeah. would sit in this one booth, and then you have a you know you could see both doors, so anyone coming in. And then some historian told me that no one was ever allowed to leave or come in once he was in there, and he tipped everyone a hundred dollars and blah blah blah. Wow, you know, actually, like a really nice guy. When he's in the joint, but, you know, obviously he's, he's happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And another thing I heard is uh, every time he walked in, they had to start sing or had to start playing. Uh, what is that? Uh, the George Gershwin tune. Um, uh, Rhapsody in Blue. Yeah. Rhapsody in Blue. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That was that was Al Ca- I, I love the fact that that's Al Capone's favorite is that Rhapsody in Blue was Al Capone. <laughs> Al Capone's yeah. Favorite. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, his nickname was Snarky. I didn't know that. Snarky? Yeah. Where did that come yeah, from? I mean, doesn't it? I, I forget. Nicole, the, she's a, she, I worked with her tonight. I just got home a little bit ago, and she's, she likes all the history stuff. So she told me about Al Capone's name being Snarky, and I read why, and I don't remember. But I just think this guy that kills everyone has a nickname, Snarky. Yeah. This I... isn't very bad at <laughs> bad. Bad sounding. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not real tough. Oh, look at Snarky. Look at Snarky with his machine gun. (laughs) Yeah, right. No kidding. I laughed. Oh man. So um, now you've owned you've owned the mill for how long? Thirty four years, right? Thirty four years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How did it come to you? Oh well, the 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 long story, but I'll try to make it short. My dad used to go there in the thirties. You know, he was a big stud from the south side and him and duke would go his buddy duke would go to the aragon ballroom and they'd meet a couple of girls and they'd go to the green mill for a nightcap so you know my parents are divorced so he's living on the north side i'm on the south side i drive up to see him when i'm like 16 and he'd tell me all these stories i go wow that's cool so when i drop him off in uh rogers park and i had to go back to the south side i would drive by the green mill and it was like cool looking you know i'm 16 years old and all the lights and everything and then when the bums rushed the car i would have to take off because i was <laughs> scared you know and uh so then later like now it's so what is it 1984 my dad dies in 19 i had bought the deja vu already in 83 yeah my dad dies in 84 now it's 85 and I'm dating a girl. We go to dive bars up in Uptown all the time. I go, hey, let's go where my dad used to go to Green Mill. She goes, yeah, okay. We go in there, and I mean, you know, you're walking over guys passed out on the floor. There's guys <laughs> shooting up heroin in the booth. There's two women beating each other up in the bathroom. I go to the bartender. You want me to break that up? He goes, I don't care. Let them kill each other. <laughs> I fell in love with the joint. I thought it was the greatest place in the world. You know, but it's not how you really want to run it. Right, right. A, it was just, <laughs> I loved it. So, you know, I go, I'm I'm talking to this girl. She didn't give a crap, but I'm telling her, I go, you know, I would do this and I would do this and I would do that. She goes, yeah, yeah, get me another drink. And then uh, <laughs> I end up finding out the owner is Steve Brend, and he had been there since 1938. He owned it since 1960. But he had worked there, you know, since yeah, 38. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I talked to him, and, you know, he's in debt. He had a bad leg that was really, you know, open war, uh, open wound sore from World War II that he still had, and it's 1985. Oh. 
And, you know, his wife walked with a walker, and her, his stepson was, like, helping run the joint, and he was a speedball addict. Oh. It was just a mess. Okay, hold on, Dave. So, Dave, Dave, hang yeah. on, okay? we gotta t- we got to take a quick yeah. break, and I want to get right back to that story, okay? Yeah, yeah. All right, Dave Gemelo is with us. He is the owner of the Green Mill. They're open. They're ready for uh, they're ready for business, of course, with the with the rules that are set in place uh, and social distancing and all that stuff, but... Uh, they're back and going. Uh, the legendary Green Mill. We'll talk more about it on 720 WGN. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. Um, at 3.30, we'll have another round of Know Your Onion. That's where you have to tell the difference between a real news headline and a headline from the satirical newspaper, The Onion. Uh, annoying things that tourists do in other countries. Uh, what about tourists that do things in Chicago that make you nuts? And we're going to talk about how you can now kiss the Blarney Stone again in Ireland if you choose to do so. All right. Right now, we're talking with Dave Gemelo. He's the owner of the Green Mill, which recently, because of uh, uh, the the opening up of the city, uh, got to open up again. And uh, we were just talking about the history of it and uh, and when Dave decided to buy it. Uh, Dave, so we're back to 1985, and the, the there's people laying on the floor. There's bums everywhere. There's people shooting up heroin. People, girls fighting in the in the in the bathroom, and nobody really cares. And you fell in love with the place. Let's continue. Yes. So, um, the son was the eight ball addict, and he was help running it. And Steve was in debt, and you know we got along real well. And so I said, like, I'd like to buy the joint. So me and him kind of start talking. He says, you got to talk to the landlords. And the landlords, they like my idea, you know, trying to do a jazz club. Because there's other guys trying to buy it. And all they wanted was the light fixtures to sell, like, all that cool stuff, you know, for a bunch of money. Oh, yeah, 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 so sure. The, you know, so the landlords say, yeah, let this young guy do it. You know, he seems okay. So me and Steve arrive at a price, which was a great deal for me. And it was also a great deal for him because the landlords could have just thrown him out because he was in debt, you know, but he was a great guy. And it uh, worked out. I had to get a new license and stuff like that. And it uh, took six weeks to get the license and clean everything up and reupholster and fix things up. And then uh, I got open. The funny thing is, you know, I got a four o'clock license like a month later. And to do that, you had to get a like signatures from all the voters within 500 feet of the joint saying they don't care oh, yeah. if it's a uh, four o'clock license. I did it myself and I'm going to these apartments and I'm in shooting galleries. You know what that is where yeah. they, everyone's on the mattress shooting heroin. Yeah. And I know all these guys cause I was hanging out in there all 1985 and I go, Hey, uh, I'm buying a green milk. Can you sign this for me? And they'd sign, Oh yeah, you're going to let us in. I go, yeah, yeah. Be just like it was, but then you know, I didn't let him in because he didn't want that stuff. Right, right. So you, so you ended up so, getting it. See that. So you ended up getting it, changing it into a jazz club. Um, yeah, and it's become one of the premier jazz clubs in the in in the country. Um, uh, Dave, as you yeah, know, yeah, it's worked out well. Yeah, yeah it's um, really happy with it, and you know, you have all these ideas when you're young and dumb and naive, and you just work really hard, and it ends up where it worked out the way you wanted it you yeah know? yeah so it's it's pretty cool yeah it's, i think it's one of the i mean I, I when i was a drinking man i it was one of my favorite places to go to there's just no question about it i love the history i love everything about it uh featured in a ton yeah. of movies it featured in a ton of movies as well dave yeah 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 it's uh 
Well, well you were talking about, I, I was listening to you on the way home from work, and you're talking about Carl Reiner, Ocean's something. We were, Ocean's 12, I think, was filmed there. Yeah. And, uh, well, lots of them. Uh, Prelude to a Kiss, High Fidelity. Um, yeah. Well, it got TV shows and stuff. It's good. It got blown up in Thief. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was before my time. But, yeah, because there were guys that were uh, guys that hung out there when I bought it, and they were in the movie, you know? Yeah. And Steve, you know, Steve, they love Steve. Uh, you know, James Kahn and uh, who's the director? Michael, Michael Mann. Mann. Yeah, Michael Mann. Yeah, they put, they put a new floor down for him. They reupholstered stuff. They did all kinds of work for him, and then they blew up the front of the joint. The uh, <laughs> vestibule still held together with an L bracket because it, they – blew up a little bit more than they needed to oh boy wow yeah, yeah. So, you know i mean i love i love the green mill so much that every time i watch thief i get very sad when they blow it up <laughs> yeah yeah right well you know they took the sign down and put up a fake sign and blew that up oh okay that's how they did yeah, it because huh? i got yeah i got pictures uh in the old scrapbook of uh them taking a the sign down but that was a lot of work to do that you i know? bet yeah i bet i think they do everything with digitally this yeah, days, don't they? Yeah, pretty much. You know. Yeah, they don't really. They're they're yeah. not going to really blow stuff up anymore. I don't think that's that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, right. and, and what about the? Uh, let's talk a little bit about the tunnels uh, yeah. that 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 are underneath the bar. Okay, well, you know, there's a trap door behind the bar, and you go down that, and then you go around a few ways, and then there's these uh, fire doors, these big steel doors, and. You get the you unlock it and you open the one, then you open the other one. Then there's a series of tunnels. Now it's not as juicy as it used to be because in the old days there was no lights and you could get across the street, like under the street, and you were able to get out on the Lawrence Avenue and on out on the Broadway. Nowadays it's like there's lights and there's people using areas of it for storage and that. So it's you know they're still there, but yeah. it's just not like a as cool as it was, you know? Yeah. Now, was that also like a thing that Al Capone would use in case in case he had to get out and, and not be seen? Yeah. Yeah. So in the old days, you know, if like, okay, let's just say even it's prohibition, you're still getting the liquor up there, but it's in coffee cups and stuff. But if you want to have a real party like Al Capone would want to have, you'd be down in the tunnels and there's rooms on to the sides. They'd have a room, and that would be like an anything goes room, if you know what I mean. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. drinking, debauchery, uh, gambling, girls, all the liquor you want, free flowing. And then if there was a raid or anything, somehow they tell them down there, and the guys aren't going to come back up through a trap door into the joint where the coppers are. They're going to go out through the tunnels and be on Lawrence Avenue or Broadway walking down the street. And when the copper says, Hey, I was looking for you, Joe Italian guy. And, uh, you know, the guy says, Get, leave me alone. I'm just going to the movie show with my girl, you know? Yeah, and yeah. then uh, that's how they got away with it. Yeah. God, there's so much great history in the uh, uh, in the Green Mill. And it feels that, you know, when you, you, you know, Dave, every time I would go in there, you could feel the history of the place. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's, that's, that it's yeah. still, it's palpable, you know? Well, because you don't change much. I mean, you know, I bought it in 86. I just cleaned it up. But, I mean, it's still the same frames and the pictures and the mm. back bar and you know it just got the character all over it from the days of th when that was going on so i guess it is easy to feel it you know yeah yeah it is it, and it's just such a you know it's just such a great it's just, just such a such a great place and you so you, it was yeah. it was a month after you bought it that it got the that you got the four o'clock license 
Yeah. And, yeah, uh, and then, uh, fun. I was going to say, that worked out pretty well for you, huh? Oh, it was great because I always want to do the, um, like a late night jam session type thing. Yeah. You know, um, because I was reading a book, uh, Swing the Bop by Ira Gittler when I was trying to buy the joint. And it was all about, uh, the, the transition of swing to bebop and jazz, you know, and it was all, um, oral history. And they were talking about Minton's Playhouse and, uh, Park Monroe's Uptown House in New York with, uh, you know, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, and they were doing that called Modern Jazz, which, of course, was bebop. But they couldn't do it during the regular sets like the 8 to midnight. They had to do it like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning into the wee hours. So that's how I got the idea to do it at the Green Mill. You know, your main band on Friday plays 9 to 1, then you have a jam session afterwards. Yeah. And Saturday you have the main band 8 to 12, then you have a late night band. So it's kind of like a hang, but you couldn't do that if you didn't have a 4 o'clock license. You know, I mean, we're playing jazz till 5 o'clock in the morning on Saturday night. Yeah. You know, you leave the joint, the sun's coming up, and you're half jagged up. It's kind of yeah. cool, you know. Where <laughs> can you do that anywhere in the world? <laughs> You're bringing back a lot of memories for me, Dave. <laughs> oh, well, I'm I'm glad you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and and so you, now you've always been a jazz guy, Dave. Well, you know, since like eighth grade, I think. You know, my dad gave me uh, what is it, the 1938 Carnegie Hall Jazz Festival uh, record, Benny Goodman, and I kind of just jumped on it, and I loved it. And, uh, you know, I played a piano a little bit, but I'm not a piano player. The guys would call me an instrument owner. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I just got into that because all my friends were like in a, what is it, like a Robert Plant's... Uh, Zeppelin. That, uh, Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. All that kind of stuff. He goes to the joint a lot, by the way, Robert Plant. But um, Is that right? Oh, yeah. Whenever he's in town, he always stops in. I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then now we talk to him all the time. He's a great guy. Oh, that's awesome. But, um, I I was all you know. I got the, into jazz and blues and stuff, and jazz is what I really got into. So you know, I got to know a little bit. You know. Yeah. Well, that's that's great, man. And it and you've turned it into uh, you turned it into you know the, the one of the premier jazz clubs in the in the country. Uh, Dave, hang on, okay. Yeah, sure. All right. Dave Gemelo is with us. He owns the Green Mill. We want to talk about what it's like now, uh, you know, what it was like to be closed down and now with these restrictions, what it's like. And if you have questions or if you've ever been to the Green Mill and you just want to share your memories, uh, it's one. It's a it's a wonderful place. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200 if you want to uh, talk about the Green Mill with the owner, Dave Gemelo. We'll continue our conversation here on 720 WGN. Hey, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio, and we're here until 4, uh, as we are every weekday uh, night into the morning. At 4 o'clock, we go over to Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN, and uh, get some news and information from them. And then at 5 o'clock, the one and only Bob Surratt, the legendary Bob Surratt, has your morning uh, drive. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to jump in here. We're talking to Dave Gemelo, who's the owner of the Green Mill. And if you have any memories about the Green Mill or questions or comments, 312-981-7200. Uh, and uh, Dave, you know, you mentioned uh, before the break that Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin was kind of yeah. is kind of a regular. Who are some of the other famous people that hang out there? I know that uh, you know lots of people, when they're in town, they visit the Green Mill. 
Well, Vince Vaughn comes, he was coming in a lot, not that much lately, but, um, you know, he did that one movie there, The Dilemma. Yeah. And he was singing out there a lot. It was kind of funny. He, he was coming in so much that, uh, you know, he was, he'd get carded and things like that. Cause no, like big Al was working the front door and he doesn't even know it's Vince Vaughn. He just cards <laughs> and Vince Vaughn brings yeah, out, yeah. takes out his ID. So one time <laughs> the Vince comes and, uh, uh, big Al sees his, sees him and says, uh, let me see your ID. And sees he goes, Oh, I know you. You're the guy that got your told your car towed last week. Cause <laughs> his car was in a, across the street in the parking lot it got towed <laughs> and it was a big thing where everyone's trying to help him here's where you got to go do this and do that yeah, yeah and that's all big al recognized him from was his car and then he finds out oh that's that's vince vaughn he's like an actor so he's trying to invite him to his picnic he has every year and stuff like that you know <laughs> big I, I got a kick out of that and then uh, i got drunk with johnny depp once he oh was, uh because they were doing that movie, uh, the John Dillinger Public thing, Enemies, you know? yeah, Public Enemies. Public Enemies, yeah. and they were going to be filming at the bank across the street. So Michael Mann, I think he was the director yep. of that, too, he yep. told Depp, go to the Green Mill, because I did the movie Thief there, remember the one with the blowing up the joint. And so Depp came in with a bodyguard, he was very nice, and he wanted to talk to me, because, you know, wanted to hear the history of the joint. So I sat down with him. He was great. Yeah. You know, everyone's going like Gaga. No one bothered him because, like, we don't let no one bother people, you know. But he was a nice guy, and he came in uh, later that week to see Deep Blue Organ Trio, and he come in with, with Stephen Dorff and some other people. Yeah. I, I guess that guy's an actor, too. Yeah, he is. Yep. And uh, and so uh, it's a pretty funny... Do you want me to tell you this funny story? Oh, of course. Okay, so, you know, I wasn't there, but this is a story I heard Uh Depp loved the band, and he wanted to talk to Chris Foreman, the organist, you know, who's blind. And Chris, you know, he was sitting at the bar, and Depp went and talked to him, and they had a nice chat and everything. And then when uh, Depp and his guys left, uh, Jason was walking, the manager was walking yeah. uh, Chris Foreman to the cab to go home. And uh, Chris goes to Jason, he goes, yeah, that guy Johnny, he was a real nice guy. What's he do? Who's he? And and Jason has to say, well, he's probably the most famous actor in the world. And Chris goes, oh, okay. Well, he's a nice guy. And he got in his cabin left. And I thought that was cool. <laughs> That's fantastic. Nobody recognizes. Yeah. I love the fact that Big Al well, carded. Chris is blind anyway. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, it's true. Uh, it's, but it's funny because yeah. I... Uh, uh, I love that Big Al carded uh, Vince Vaughn. I just think that's oh, fa that's yeah, fantastic. I know, that's I know. It, it's just so official, and Vince loved all of that. You know, yeah, yeah. He, he liked just getting treated like normal. You know, yeah. And it was kind of fun. Yeah. Um. So you know, when you when you did the restoration of the bar when you first bought it, what what kind of things yeah. did you have? What what kind of things did you have to change? Well, like, you know, I built the big stage and the dance floor, and then, uh, you know, like, we had to do a lot of electrical work and some plumbing, and then uh, just reupholster all the boots, refinish the wood on the bar and the, the front-type part of the bar, you know, where your legs go. We cleaned yeah. all that up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some minor stuff in the bathrooms and uh, just clean everything. But it was, it was a major lot of work. I bet. For, like, a guy with no money, you know, was kind of tough, but we got it done. Yeah. Now, and how slowly did business start to pick up? 
Well, the, well, we opened, what was it, June 19th, and it was, you know, opening night was killer. But then after that, it was sporadic. It was just okay. I was charging a dollar to get in during the week and $2 on Saturday, you know, with live music yeah. six nights. Yeah. And then uh, Larry Cart from, uh, was he the Sun-Times or the Tribune? He was a writer. Mm-hmm. He wrote it up that he loved the joint. I don't know if he'd ever even been there, but. After that, people just started coming in, and it just kind of, you know, snowballs. Like, you know, you have a good product, and you don't rip anybody off, and the people say, oh, boy, there's this joint up north, you know, let's go there. Yeah. And then people actually, like, south of Belmont would even come up, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Well, before that, it was just... uh you know, guys that are pioneers, they want to go to a dive bar in a neighborhood that's scary, and they still go anyway. But now you're getting, like, Mighty Blue Kings started playing there, and then all of a sudden, Lincoln Parkers started coming in, and, you know, yeah. you just do some things to make it a destination spot. You yeah, know? and it certainly is. I mean, there's no, there's no question about it. It's, it, it certainly is. Uh, how do you, yeah. you – how, what, what, what's it like to, you know, to have watched Uptown change? Just so much over these years, because you're talking about the, you know, 1985, Uptown was kind of a nightmare at that time. Um, oh, yeah, and it was it, rough. What's, yeah. it, what's it like to, to, to have watched that neighborhood change? Well, it, it's great because it's still like a, a colorful neighborhood, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not it like going to Lincoln Park. It's not completely gentrified. You know, but it's it's nice that the crime isn't so bad. And right. there's just all different kinds of people walking around, and they're not afraid to walk around. There's not, like, guys getting shot and, you know, stuff like, you know, just bad stuff going on. There's a Starbucks across the street. I mean, can you believe that? <laughs> you know, I mean, when that thing opened, they had no idea what they were in for. Yeah. And then they had to get, like, people working there that knew how to handle stuff. Yeah. But now it's. You know, now you could go in there and it's like a regular Starbucks. Yeah. So it's nice to see that. And then, you know, the one thing is like you say, oh, man, I should have bought that building. Oh, man, I should have bought that building. Because yeah. now these buildings are worth a ton of money. But, you know, you're busy trying to run a joint at the time. So, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's, it's good. It's 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 interesting to, to see, you know, having, you know, you know, gone to Uptown a lot. You know, when I was a kid, we, yeah. would, we would go to movies. You know, at the Uptown yeah. Theater and, and at, yeah. at the Riviera, and um, things like that, and just to see how that neighborhood has changed. But you're right, though, about Dave. It's not completely gentrified. It still has it still has a personality, um, and it still has an edge to it. There's there's no question about it. Right. We still got a guy in the corner, Juicy, who you know he's just relentless on bothering people. Yeah. But he's kind of like our guy, even though we don't like him. You know, but it's just <laughs> you know. <laughs> he's, yeah, yeah, he's a staple in each other tonight yeah. he's a staple in the neighborhood man there's there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no part question of it about yeah it. what was the first act to play uh the green mill when you when you opened when you ran ran the place when you started running the place oh wow that's great that you asked it because i was just thinking about it the other day stardust stardust it was a yeah joette waters she ran this uh, band called stardust and it was like an andrew sisters band Oh, a guy named Phil was a piano player, bass player, Mark Litton on drums, and then the three women singers. And I used to see them at a one of Roger Greenfield's joints or something. Yeah, 
And I thought, oh, this is cool, because it kind of fits that 1940s thing. So I had them, and then uh, Tommy Ponce played there early on, Mike Finnerty, um, Ed Peterson, Brad Good, uh, Deja Vu Big Band, uh, what was uh, the violin, uh, no, viola player, uh, Susie Hansen. Mm-hmm. Those were the, the ones that started out, yeah. Yeah. Now you've um, had you've had thousands of acts play in your place. What are some of the, what are your, some of your favorites, most memorable performances? Well, I guess my favorite. I like the Battle of the Saxes, and that I got from that book I was telling you about earlier. You know, where you have the two or three saxophone players playing like a battle, but they're not really fighting, and then a rhythm section, piano, bass, drums. And my favorite was when we had a. Von Freeman, Ed Peterson, and Clifford Jordan. Clifford Jordan is like such a big deal. Just to have him alone would be a big deal. But he loved it. And we'd have the three, those three monster Chicago-style saxophone, tenor sax players. Yeah. And then like Jody Christian on piano, like uh, who, who was on bass? John Whitfield, I think, and uh, Wilbur Campbell or Robert Chai on drums. You don't get anything better than that. Yeah. And you never see that anywhere. We still do it now, but we just use two saxophone players because it costs too much to do three. But, yeah. um, you know, it's that's like one of my favorite things. And then uh, Sheila Jordan, you know, she's 91 years old. She yeah. still plays there. Yeah. And uh, Dave Liebman, uh, you know, Harry Connick Jr.'s played there. He used to hang out there in the 80s mm-hmm. when he was in his big band, when he was real famous. And he would come in with uh, Jerry Weldon and Dave Schumacher, and those guys would sit in, but Harry wouldn't sit in with the band because Jody Christian was playing piano, and he's like, Harry didn't want to go up there because he didn't have the chops to go after Jody. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. On the piano. Yeah. So then years later, you know, he's getting better and better and better, and he's still real famous, of course. And he called, he didn't call, his people called and said, Harry wants to play at the joint. I go, okay, that's cool. Let's work something out. He says, but he ain't going to sing. I go, that's fine. I don't care. You know, I know I could sell sell it out. Yeah. And we did. And his chops were great. He was a great piano player, and that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to play in a real joint, playing a piano with his band, and it was killer. And then right at the end of the, each set, he sang a couple of tunes, and all the women are swooning and stuff. It was <laughs> It was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's awesome that he that he just wanted to play in, in you know in a place that had so much history. You know, yeah, because you know he used to hang out there in yeah. the '80s and he remembered that, and he knows it's a cool joint, and he wanted to play just a joint. You know, not like you know he's playing all these big giant fancy places, and this is like he could come and who's going to say no? We won't let you play if you don't sing. I don't care. Yeah. I'm happy he's even in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just to, and it worked great. I think we charged thirty bucks. That's nothing. Yeah. Just to see just to see Harry to see Harry Connick Jr., especially in such a such a great venue and and, and and a smaller venue where you can see actually just be in the same room with the guy. Right. Yeah, you're sitting there watching them, you're three feet away. Yeah. You know, it's great. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. much, so much history uh, at the, at this place, Dave. I got to tell you, and yeah. uh, and it just it's 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 just it's just a it's just a great place. Uh, let's take a quick break oh. here, uh, Dave, and then I want to talk to you about what's been going on uh, during this pandemic and 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 how the reopen is going. Okay, you got it. Okay, Dave Gemelo is with us, uh, owner of the Green Mill. What great stories, man! Such great stories. That place has so much history. Um, if you have any Green Mill memories or questions or comments. 
We'd love to hear from you. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. More coming up. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. And uh, we're live in the Skyline studio, uh, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. And we're here uh, until 4 o'clock. Um, we are going to talk about uh, some annoying things that tourists do when they're in Chicago or big mistakes that you made while you were traveling. Um, and uh, the Blarney Stone can be kissed again. And annoying things tourists do in other countries. And if you've ever made a mistake when you were on uh, on vacation. Uh, we also play back some classic Johnny uh, Carson. Johnny Carson show you can watch on uh, Antenna TV every night. And uh, we suggest that you do. We're going to play back a bit that Ronald Reagan did. Who's on first? When we do that at 2.30. And at 3.30, it's another round. It's a Wednesday morning with another round of Know Your Onion. Uh, and the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. We are having a conversation with Dave Gemelo, uh, owner of the legendary Green Mill Bar in Uptown. Um, and, uh, Dave, we've got a couple of people who are on the line here that want to uh, say hello. Okay. All right. Here's uh, Joyce on WGN. Hi, Joyce. Hi. Mr. Gemelo, I am an avid jazz fan. Hello, Joyce. I, I your, know who you are. Your, do you know who I am? Yeah, I'm you're the, the old lady, lady that the legendary jazz Hold on, hold on, one at a time. Go, you, go uh, ahead, Dave. I put your car in the parking lot for you that one time, remember? I do. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. my goodness. I can't believe it. I recognize your and, voice, and, yeah. And, you know, with all this going on, and I saw the end of the paper today, and I said, you know, this is the place to go. What I'm interested yeah. in knowing is... How can I get a roster of who is going to be there when? Well, oh, can you, there's a, there's you know, a new you know, thing uh, called uh, the Internet. The yeah, Internet? You know what? Yeah, right now, if you go to our website, you know, because I'm kind of booking things as we go, uh, look at the website, greenmilljazz.com, and uh, you could see what's booked. Uh, you know, I'm adding things now where I'm, like, at least a week ahead here, so yeah. we're we're getting there. Yeah. So you could you could do that. Is that cool, Joyce? You, do I need a reservation or no? Just work? you just check it no, out no. online. You, check it out online. Go to greenmilljazz.com, and the schedules are are, are up there. Okay, and yeah. I could just come. Are you no doing the uh, social distancing and all that stuff? You just 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 you can just come in, Joyce. Okay, great. Okay, is Paul going to be there? You know. Not not right this second because I'm not doing any singers or horns right now because it's too much. Uh, oh, with the pandemic, out. I yeah. got you. Right. Okay. I got you. Well, whatever Th- it is, it'll be greatly appreciated, and I can't wait to be there. Okay. Thanks, Joyce. All right, Joyce. Take care. There you go. That's nice, huh, Dave? Yeah, it's funny. I remembered her voice right away. She's got to be like, uh, you know, she's up there. Yeah. Little little short thing walks really slow. She's a very nice woman. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I don't know great. how to say anything. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Here's Robert on WGN. Hey, Robert. Well, it's nice to meet the owner. A friend of mine owns Kingston Mines. So about oh. ten years back, and I got sick and tired of listening to that crap. And then they told me to go over to your place. So yeah. I went over there, and it was fantastic. I mean, it, oh, good. I mean, it's absolutely, and I was there on a Saturday, and I was one of the guys who helped sweep up the floor, and they finally kicked me out. I think it was 5.30 in the morning or something. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah. But the super, I mean, just the people that you have working for you. Because so, I was like, I know you have a four-card license, and I, let me finish my beer. He goes, no, you got that beer, and then you got two more beers, and you got a shot. And I was like, I love you. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I found my home, you know. And yeah. so, 
But you have a great, great place. It's just fantastic. Oh, and, thank and, you. And again, if you if you love that type of music, and I do, it's you know, it's now with all the crap that's going on, I know it's going to take a while before you can bring back horns and things of that sort. But yeah, you'll get there yeah. again. Yeah. All right, Robert. Good. Thank well, you. Thanks. Appreciate thanks. it. Thanks, Robert. No worries, man. All okay. right. Have a great Take night. care. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, some of the restrictions that are happening right now. Now, uh, obviously, you're not open until four. Uh, currently, um, your hours are shorter, sure. uh, but you are right. doing live music. You said no horns, no vocals. Um, so right. let, let's talk a little bit about um, w- what's been going on and some of the restrictions and how you're dealing with it. Well, we have to close at 11 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. you know, which is really hard because uh, people just like on the weekend, they just start coming out like at 10. Yeah, it's true. And then we're close, you know, so your your band, uh, my last set ends at 1030. You know, you stop the cover about ten oh five, ten ten, because you're not going to charge people for fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. And then they start coming in, and then they say, "Oh, get one drink, and you got to go." I yeah. mean, that's right when we get rolling. Yeah. So it's kind of hard on that. And then, uh, you know, we always had two shifts: noon until eight, and then eight till four. Well, now we're down to one shift because it doesn't make sense. So we open at three. And we close at eleven, so you have one bartender work the eight-hour shift like a normal shift. Mm-hmm. So it's in the skeleton crew, you know, because you could only allow we could only allow forty-four and a half people in. So um, you don't need a lot of people working. So then you feel bad for the people that normally be working, like on a Saturday, you'd have two shifts, yeah. a bunch of shows, yeah. all kinds of employees, a lot of you know musicians and entertainers and things and. So it's all cut down drastically, and still, you know, it, it's hard to make a, a buck with forty-four and a half people. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are you? Have you? Re- when you opened up, did you reach capacity? Or did you reach forty-four and a half people? No, we haven't done that. Uh, close, but we didn't get there. But I'll tell you, the energy in the room was so good with the band. I mean when you haven't seen live music like in three months and 10 days and all of a sudden it happens again, it just really gets your heart going, you know, and it's, uh, it's wonderful. I mean, I was thinking like, man, there won't be a good energy between the band and the audience because there's not many people, but they were so into it. I thought it sounded like there were a hundred people in there, but you know, because they were so happy. Yeah. So, um, you know, we haven't gotten there yet. There's a lot of people that are afraid to go out. It's, you know, we got like grown-ups that go. I mean, we get young people too, but there's a lot of grown-ups and they're kind of being responsible. And then, you you know, if you go to by Wrigley Field, they're all, everyone's out. So yeah. we just got a different kind of crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's such a great place. Let's talk a little bit about the Uptown Poetry Slam. It was the world's first yeah. um, and it yeah. started in 1986. How did that start? All right, well, so that ended up, um, I was doing jazz six nights a week, and Sunday I didn't do jazz because I owned a Deja Vu and I had a jazz jam session on that night, and I didn't want to compete with myself. Gotcha. So I'm uh, doing nothing on Sundays, and we're open, and I think I ring like $60 or something. I'm thinking, man, i got to think of something to do that isn't jazz. Yeah. And then I remembered this guy, Mark Smith, did a poetry show before my jam session at the Vu, the Deja Vu. And I thought, oh, yeah, that guy, he had a big crowd. 
it was cool, you know, Jack Kerouac, it kind of goes with jazz, blah, blah, blah. I go, let, let me call this guy. I call him up. I go, Mark, you want to do something on Sunday night? He goes, let me think about it. Calls me a week later. I go, okay, what do you want to do? He goes, I'm going to do a thing called the Uptown Poetry Slam. I go, what's that? He goes, don't worry about it. <laughs> and I go, fine. And from that, it's all over the world. And he still does the show. I mean, not now because of the COVID thing. Yeah. Yeah, but he's still the guy. I yeah. mean, you know, he's been on the you know the sixty minutes, and he goes all over the world. He's big stuff in Europe. Yeah, he's like you know they, they're whining and dining him, and uh, so he's the guy that started the whole thing, and it started oh, at the Green Mill. That's so great. it's kind of a cool thing. It's yeah. a very cool thing. It's a very very cool thing. Hey, you mentioned that you own the Deja Vu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to go there all the time. There used to be a a thing, a, a storefront, a few doors, few doors down called Players Workshop. Um, yeah, right. And, and that was where I, tra- I trained there before I went to Second City. And we would always, after class, we would always go to the VU. Um, and I have memories. Oh, yeah. I have memories of Chris Farley doing the turtle races. Am I nuts, or is that true? No, you're you're mixed up with uh, Ken Campbell. Oh, okay. Yeah, Kenneth Hudson Campbell. He's actually an actor in Hollywood now. You yeah, know, he does. He was like in a lot of movies, and he does a lot of voiceovers and stuff. But he was a turtle race announcer. Oh, okay. And he was a bi- bigger guy, so that's why I know you would have. You could have got him mixed up with Chris. Farley. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. All those people from the Players Workshop, like where you were, a lot of them got to be famous. You know, Bob Odenkirk. He. You know, I had comedy nights there using all those guys. Yeah, yeah. I'd give them free draft beer. Bob Odenkirk was in it. Bonnie Hunt, Ken Campbell, uh, uh, Rob Schmeigel. Yeah. Um, Tom Giannis. All these guys end up becoming these famous guys, and yeah. they uh, would play this comedy night at uh, VU for free draft beer. Yeah. You know. I charged a dollar to get in. We'd have like four hundred people coming in. It was yeah. great. That was a great place. The, the, I, I love the VU. Like I said, every 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 time after class, uh, at, yeah. right right up the street, the first thing we do was go and have some drinks at the VU. Yeah, you know, I thought because I played football in that, I thought I was going to have a sports bar, and then all of a sudden, uh, all these actors and stuff are coming in. I'm thinking, geez, what's this? And they were cool and they were fun, so I just went with it. Yeah, and it turned out real well yeah well is it, that was a great place too and of course the green mill is great yeah. best of luck dave and uh and i know it's going to be it's going to be it's, it's still going to be a little difficult to get through this but it you know once we get through yeah. it and, and uh the mill is back up and running and open till four i'm sure your business will will, will vastly improve buddy yeah i hope so yeah. we need it so yeah okay let's well go. Da- yeah exactly thanks. so go to the mill go to the mill they're open they're open what, what, what are your hours again three to eleven Three to eleven, yes, seven days a week. Seven days a 11. week. Three to eleven, seven days a week. Go in, spend some and dough. Spend some dough at the Green Mill. If there's social distancing, there are rules in place. Uh, walk in oh, with yeah. walk in all, walk all in with your mask and, and all that all, all that good stuff. Help Dave out, and I know a lot of bars and restaurants really need some help right now. And uh, Dave, best of luck, my friend. I love your place. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All I'll right. see you later, Nick. Okay, buddy. Take care, right. Dave Gemelo, uh, owner of the Green Mill. Uh, they're open for business, and uh, they they need it. You know, a lot of the restaurants and the bars are struggling right now, and some are even closing, obviously. And we don't want the mill to close. No, no way.